I know that was an encouraging time of worship together. And as we get into the message, I just wanna say that if you are a parent to young kids in this quarantine time, you deserve some applause. And, and it's not to take anything away from anyone else, but I wanna tell you, us parents of young kids, our, our patience might be a little bit low for those of you guys who are married with no kids and you're clean houses and you're doing whatever you want and you're taking naps and you're being upset that you're being bored because right now it's taking everything we can to keep everyone alive and everyone sane as we are confined in this small space together. Because as we're trapped in this house with many, many people in it, man, the emotions, they are just up and down. The series that we're in right now, it's called Mood Swingers because there's just the reality that as we go through life and as we go through challenges, the way that we feel often depends on our circumstances. And so our mood is just moving, 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 moving. But I believe that as we study God's word, that there is encouragement, that there is benefit from God's word to help us navigate these times together. And whether you right now are going through quarantine and you're single in your house or you guys are married by yourself, or if you have four kids running around your house like crazy people like I do, I believe that God's word is going to encourage your heart today. And I want to get to the topic of joy. Joy has just been on my heart since the beginning of this year. And when we talk about the way that we're feeling and the mood that we're in, joy is something that I think naturally we feel like, man, I want that. Like, I want to feel joy. But joy often feels just so far away from us. And scripture has the design and the passage that we're going to look at, it actually says the purpose that I'm telling you this is so that you will have joy. We have very specific instructions in this passage we're going to look at that if you do this, you will have joy. And not only joy, you will have joy that overflows is what it says. So I want you to pay careful consideration to what we talk about today because I believe it's going to be helpful for you. Let's start off in the Gospel of John chapter 15 verse 9. And we're going to put this up on the screen as I read it. And it says, and this is Jesus teaching, and he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Yes, you were meant to have joy. And I think that you feel that when you get overcome with anxiety, when you get overcome with worry, you know that this is not how I am supposed to feel. This is not right. This is not the way that it should be. And so we try to find ways out of that experience. But we often lean on things that give us an artificial joy. We go towards substances, or we go towards retail therapy, or we go through some temporal fix that we know will not really satisfy the hunger that's inside of us. It won't really quench the fear and the worry that we feel, and we go to these temporary fixes, but that's not God's design. And there is a design in this passage, and we're going to study each one of these verses one by one, and we're going to look at what Jesus is saying about us having this joy that is so tremendously powerful that it overflows out of our lives. And so we're going to start in verse 9, and we're going to bring verse 9 back up on the screen here. And it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Now I want you to see this, that Jesus is speaking, and he's saying that he has this love for us, 
But the place that love originated was he's loving us the way that the Father has loved him. Like he's taking the love that that was exemplified in God the Father and then he is showing that same love to us. I mean, I compare this to when you have kids and you suddenly hear your words come out of their mouth. Now this can be a very proud moment (laughs) or this can be a very frightening moment. And especially when your spouse is in the room and it was their statement that came out of the little one, you're like, do you see what you just did? Do you see how they picked it up and they did this? And it's nice when it's their fault, but, but when it's us, we understand, okay, the people that we're around, we, we do what they do. They do what we do. And we, we gain this from each other. Jesus is saying, the love that I'm showing you with my life, the way that I treat people, the way that I'm giving myself in your place, all of this loved, all of this love is the way my father loves. And I am expressing that love. I am the expression of God the Father's love to you. And so the passage has a principle that Jesus' life, it was a display of God's love for us, but it also has an instruction in there where it says, remain in my love. That you have to stay in this place where my love surrounds your thoughts, it surrounds your actions, that you're remaining in it. And this is the first thing that I want you to see from these passages. Number one, remain in God's love. This is an instruction. We've got to keep it on our head. We've got to keep it on our heart in the way that we live. And I want to tell you, this is a beautiful thing because when you have God's love filling your head and your heart, it affects the way that you treat other people. It, it, it should. It should affect the way that you speak to your family. It should affect the way that you speak to strangers, to your coworkers. When God's love is present on your mind, you recognize these people have an eternal worth, even if they're acting foolishly. <laughs> Even if they're grinding on my nerves, they don't deserve the wrath that I feel for them. They deserve the same grace that God has given me when God's love is on my mind. It changes those situations. It changes the way that I'm a spouse, a parent, and a friend. When I remain in his love, and the type of love that that is was displayed through the life of Christ. We see the way that he gave himself up for other people where he had rights that he could have clinged to and said, it's my right to be comfortable. It's my right to be the most important person in the room and be treated like it. He gave those up and he washed people's feet. He said, if you want to be the greatest amongst us, then you must be the servant to all. That's the kind of love that he displayed for us. The people that God has given you in your life. I want to encourage you. Let them see you live remaining in God's love. Let them see that your actions are different because of the love that God has poured into your life. And don't leave any room for debate. Don't leave any room for questions about if love flows from you. Don't let your kids grow up wondering, does my dad love me? Does my mom love me? Don't let your friends wonder if they matter to you. Don't let your parents wonder if you're too busy for them. Make time for the people that God has put on your heart that you would miss if they were gone. Pour that love out. And the beautiful thing about letting God's love flow through you, letting people know that they matter, that God has a plan for them, that they're important because they are. When you pour that out, you don't actually have anything less. In fact, I'm going to argue just in a minute here that you'll see that when we pour things out like love and encouragement, 
that we actually have more, that we don't lose anything by letting people know how important they are to us. That's the kind of love that Jesus displayed, and that's the kind of love that needs to be coming out of his followers. And what you're going to find as you freely show your love and your care for other people, that it does just flow back into your life. When we first got a tablet at the house that the kids could use for messaging, and I was at work, the very first time my daughter messaged me, man, I want to print it and frame it, because the first thing she said was something that she had heard so many other times before. It was just as simple as, I love you so much. And as a parent, you know, there's just something special when you see, okay, this expression that they've heard from me so many times, when it flows right back out. And in that day, and in that moment, man, my, my dad heart, it just, it bubbled up to overflowing. But it wasn't because I tried to pressure her. It was because she had seen a lifestyle, probably mostly in her mom, <laughs> where love was just poured out. And I try to learn from her mom, and I do it as well. But I never want my kids to question the fact. I want them to know. I want them to say, Dad, you tell us all the time. You tell us too much. We know you love us. Because the kind of love that I've seen displayed in the life of Jesus Christ, because of the kind of love that the Heavenly Father has, that's the kind of love that I want to just live my life in sight of. So some of the ways that you can remain in that love, and I've challenged people to do this at many different times because it affected me so much, is we've got to start our day off doing things that just fills our head and our heart with the love of God. For some of us, like me, one of the great challenges I say is take 30 days and only listen to music that points your heart towards God. Now, when I, when I say that, I'm not saying other kinds of music are bad. And in fact, I'll tell you, like, not all of the music in my life is Christian music. Not all of the paintings in my house are Christian paintings. My shoelaces are not Christian shoelaces, and the mints that I eat are not Christian mints. All right? Not everything has to be Christian, but there is a truth that when you put media into your mind, it puts your mind in a certain place. And if there are songs that lead your heart before God, where you recognize his goodness and his love and his care for you, when you start your day that way, it changes the way that you see everything. It's this truth of if you remain in my love, it will have effect on you. And so if you are looking to get closer to God, if you're looking that I just need to do something, I need to take a step, I would love to see some of you guys say, for the next 30 days, I am, I am only gonna pump Christian music through my mind because I believe that it can have an effect. And it changed my young Christian faith when I took that challenge that someone else gave me. I've given that to someone else who was just, had been living so far from God, but when he took that challenge, it spurred him towards incredible life change to where he is in full-time ministry now. And he points it back to, I took this challenge where I just injected the truths about God at the very beginning and through my day and when I'm in my car and it changed the way that I saw the world. And so for you, I want to encourage you, if you feel like you need to take a step, this is a great way to remain in God's, God's word, remain in his love, and I believe it'll have an effect on you. Okay, so we're going to continue on in the passage and go to verse 10. Jesus said, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. Now look, 
you'll see that there's more instruction here that is leading us towards joy when you obey my commandments. Now look, this isn't just obedience for the sake of obedience and rules, but God's love is on display through the instructions that he's given us. His instructions, his commandments about how to live, they actually display truth and they actually function in a way that's completely different than the rest of the world. And because they function in a different way, they lead you to a different result. We try to grab for joy through these external things that never really get us there. But the commands that God has given us, they actually draw us towards the joy that that God knows that we really need. And so the, the number two step that we see that leads us towards joy is number two, obey his commandments. Now, this... This feels challenging because it's like, oh, I need to apply rules. No, these are just principles that guide you. When we lie and we're deceitful, it leads us towards problems. The way that you live, it matters. The things that you choose to say, the things that you choose to put into your mind, when scripture says you shouldn't be filling your mind with that, it's because it leads you to a destructive place. Sin is destructive. It's destructive to your marriage. It's destructive to your soul. It's destructive to your future. And God has not arbitrarily said not to do something. He said, stay away from it because I know what it will do to you. But if you follow my commands, it's going to keep you in my love. It's going to keep you in a place of peace. It's going to keep you in a place of joy. For yourself, for the people around you, one of the most loving things that you can do is to remain in his commandments, to live your life following his commandments. And that is going to show the most incredible love to the people around you. They desperately need to see a picture of someone who loves Christ and loves people. And it is confusing to our world when they get mixed messages from the church. You're welcome as long as you look and dress like me. You're welcome as long as you have your life together. But you know, it's okay if I mess up, it's okay if I'm a mess. And this mixed picture that people have gotten from the church, it's destructive. And so we need to look at the life of Jesus Christ, which was the display of the heavenly father's love. The the way that he called people to grace and called them to life change at the same time. It's not that he permitted sin, but he loved the person and called them to something better. The reason we're called to follow the commandments is because it leads us to a better love. Look, I've seen it play out like this. There's another church planner that was calling me and talking to me about his plans for his church, and he had some great coaches, and he had some great financial backers, and they were all giving him some, what I think is good advice, but the problem is he didn't like their advice, even though they had planted so many churches ahead of him, and they had so much more experience, and they said, you need to do this, and and everything inside of him said, no, I want to do it differently, and he was calling to see if he could maybe get some confirmation of not listening to the people that were guiding him and helping him, the people who gave him instructions. And I told him, and I just asked him these questions. I said, okay, what happens if you do your own thing and you fail? What will happen to those relationships? Well, they'll realize I don't really want their opinion. Uh, They realize that I don't really respect what they say, and they probably won't help me if I fail if I don't listen to them, okay? And what will happen if you listen to them and it goes badly. Well then, they'll probably help me out of it since it was their idea anyway, and they'll make sure that I am successful afterwards. 
Okay, so what are you gonna do? Are you going to disregard people's wisdom for your life and do what you want? Or are you going to listen to them because they've gone before you, because they're wise, because what they're saying makes sense, and because they will be a support to you if things do go badly. Which road do you want to go down? Now that might be hard for you to apply to your life because you're not a church planner, but let me say it this way. When we have God's principles, and it says, it will go well with you if you follow my commands, but we also have the option of, or we can do it our way, we can try to do things differently than the way scripture has said we should live, and scripture says it will go badly, which way are we gonna choose? Because God has given us very clear commands, and he has said he will make sure that the results come to pass, but then we have this argument in our head of, but the world does it this way, but it might feel better if I do it this way, but it'll happen in my timing if I do it this way. And so the question is, which way are you gonna go? Are you gonna follow God's commands, God's instructions? Or are you gonna go your own way? Because what I've found, the worst places that I've been in my life, the times that I've been buried beneath the most anxiety and worry, is when I've said, I know God has said this, but I think I'm gonna try this. Because when I get here, it's not right, but I, I know that when I've done the wrong thing and I've gone against what God has wanted in my life, there's a part of me that says, ah, oh, because I've done this and now I've messed up, I can't, I can't turn to God yet, I've gotta fix myself. And so I just, I keep moving in the wrong direction because I started moving in the wrong direction. Whereas if I had just done what God said and stayed in his word, I know that even if I failed, I would have felt the presence of God active in my life. I would have felt the comfort of God in my life. I would have felt the fact that, that I can still stay connected to my church friends because I haven't done something that they know was stupid. Like all of those things, they build up and it just gets back to this truth that we need to remain in his commandments. We need to follow his commandments because it keeps us in peace, because it keeps us in joy, because it keeps us in the relationships that will help us stay healthy. Obeying his commandments is an experience in walking in his grace and love. And I say it's an experience because as you obey his commandments, you see the hand of God at work. It's such, a, it's such an encouraging thing, and we've seen it in the life of the church. I mean, just this last week, our, our church, we had some people who had some needs. And so, so we gave, and we gave not out of our excess, but I mean, we gave out of our poverty. Like we, things were financially tight, but we're like, we know we need to give this. We know that God has called us to help support people in our city that have legitimate needs. And so, so we wrote the checks. And we stepped out because this is what scripture tells us to do. And you want to know what happened? Three days later, to the dollar, God moved on someone's heart and they wrote a check for exactly what we gave away. It's one of these things like walking in his commandments. It's just this experience that as I do what he says, God does what he says. Like God is always more faithful than I am. I can never be more faithful than he is. When I step out and do what he's asked, he always does what he says he's gonna do. He's right. <laughs> and that's a good thing. And so walking in his commandments, it's not burdensome. It's actually relieving. 
Because even when it is difficult, even when things get strained, there's a sense of we're doing this God's way. And we might be in a valley right now, but I know that God leads us through the valleys to the mountaintops when we follow his commandments. Continuing in the passage, we're going to go to to verse 11, and it says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Look, there is a purpose. The reason that he's saying remain in my love, the reason that he's saying to follow my commandments is because he wants us to be filled with joy. Not just filled, but overflowing with joy. Like he, he wants it to get messy. He wants to let the joy spill out. This is the third thing that I want you to see from our message today. We're gonna put this up on the screen. Let the joy spill out. Like make a mess with it. This is God's expectation in the church, the person who's walking closely with Christ. This is the expectation that the joy is just bubbling out of you and not in a fake way, not in a pretend way, but just authentically, that that, that we let it get everywhere. And I wanna, we have some really cute kiddos in the church, but I'm gonna just, Alana's gonna help me out today. Can we put this picture up? You see this picture of Alana? We'll put this up on the screen so you guys can see it well. Alana is finger painting with her dad. Don't worry, that was not an accident if that's where your mind went. No, that's finger paint. She's finger painting. And she is just getting it everywhere. And as the pictures progressed, girl had it all over the place. But she was having the time of her life. And, and you know, in my household, we, we made a nice mess with Legos. Let's go to the Lego picture. Look at this. This is my son, Anthony. When he plays with Legos, he means it. Sometimes you just have to let it get everywhere. And I understand, do not walk through that room barefoot. You will have terrible injuries. But, but the truth is, those things are everywhere. And I just wanted to show some pictures of things that just got messy in everywhere because this idea of joy overflowing, I want to be the kind of person. I want us to be the kind of church that joy, it's just all around us. You can't have a conversation without hearing about positive, good things because there's so many good things that God is doing in our heart and in our life and in our family. And once again, I understand we go through difficult times. Our world is in a difficult time right now. But there is a truth that when we remain in God's love, when we follow his commandments, that this joy, it's stronger than the situations. It's stronger than the circumstances. This joy, if you're in the same room, just the way if, you, if there was paint or Legos, you can't help but see there's something different right there. And this is one of the things that like, it stands out like light in darkness. This is one of the things that's supposed to set the church apart from the rest of the world. This is, this is one of the evidences of Christ in me, is that joy should be making its way out. And this calling to joy, it's not a fake joy. It's not a put on a mask. But the calling to joy, it's found in scripture. There's these times where Jesus said, 
take cheer, but the times that you see him telling people to take cheer, they were in bad circumstances. Like they were in difficult circumstances. It's often translated take cheer or take courage. When, when the disciples were on the boat and there was a storm and he wasn't with them, but he was walking on the water to them and they were terrified. He said, take cheer, it is I. Like take courage. They thought they were gonna die. Jesus is telling them to cheer up. I mean, the, the person we looked at two weeks ago when I was teaching, Bar- Bartimaeus, Jesus' words to him in the Gospel of Mark were, take cheer. The, the Apostle Paul, when, he was, when there was plots against his life, the night before he was going to be moved into a different jail, Jesus appeared to him and he said, take cheer. In the midst of getting arrested for his faith, for doing good things. When Paul was shipwrecked, Paul, the apostle, heard from God that they were gonna be okay. And and the sailors and everyone else on the boat, they were sinking and Paul is telling them in Acts 23, take cheer, take courage, it's gonna be all right. Look, I bring all of those passages up because the fact is in the midst of a storm, in the midst of feeling like you're sinking, in the midst of being hurt by other people when you don't deserve to be in that situation, God still says, raise your countenance up because the circumstances around you are not the foundation on which you stand. The foundation on which you stand is Jesus Christ. The foundation on which you stand is my love and my plan and my ability to provide for you. And so none of your circumstances have any power over what God is going to do in your life. And so God calls us to take cheer, to take courage, to lift up our countenance. And that is something that we have control over. I understand we get into difficult emotional moods. Our moods swing up and down. But we have the capacity to tell our heart, you are going to stand up, you're going to rise up, you're going to take courage, and you're going to take cheer because the love that God has poured into your life is more powerful than these circumstances. And so in the midst of those difficulties, we come up to the call of scripture to take courage and to take cheer in those circumstances, to to remain in his love, remain in his commandments. And so we reach a fork in the road where we have to make a decision. Am I going to do this the way that scripture calls me to do it? Am I going to face this difficulty? legitimate difficulty. Am I going to face it the way that scripture calls me to do it? Or am I going to do it my way? Look, I understand that there's two different ways and you're going to have to determine who's in charge here. I have this conversation with my kids often where we have to reestablish who has the authority and who's the boss. All right, because the fact is, my kids are not the boss of my household. I I am trying to keep that true, at least. And my 12-year-old, my 9-year-old, my 8-year-old, they have figured it out that they're not the boss. But my 3-year-old, he is still figuring it out. And we literally have the argument where, where I say, you are not the boss. And he looks up at me and he says, I am the boss. And I say, you're not the boss. And we go back and forth. And it continues until I pick him up and say, do we need to go have a talk in your room about this? And he says, I'm not the boss. (laughs) You have the same argument with God. You reach that fork in the road because of a difficulty, because of a stress, because of your anger. And you, whether you want to admit it or not, you make the decision, am I going to do this God's way or am I going to do this my way? Is God the boss or am I the boss? Am I going to 
remain in his love? Am I gonna allow his joy to overflow from my life or am I gonna try to figure it out on my own? And I understand you might not always have the clarity to see it that way, but in this moment, I want you to recognize that it's true. The way that we live, whether we choose to remain following his commandments, it's a choice that you'll make and it leads you to a destination. And what I want for you and what I want for me is the way that I live, I want it to lead me towards joy. And the choices that I make about how to handle these situations, it matters because part of the issue isn't just the circumstances that come into my life and how they affect me. What actually matters the most about the joy that I feel and whether or not I feel peace and joy isn't just the things that happen to me, but it's actually what flows out of me. There's a truth within your heart that as your heart beats, your, your blood, it actually flows through your body all the way through and back to the heart every 45 seconds. That's how long it takes. And if things only flowed into your heart but not out of them, you would not be alive. In the, in the issue of your soul, if good things flow in but they never flow out, it feels like spiritual death too. And so what I want to encourage you, one of the ways that we experience joy is following his commandments is the fact that when God brings good things in our life, they're supposed to flow back out. They're supposed to move through us and not just stay with us. And if you have been living a lifestyle that you just do what's good for you, I'm going to tell you, you've been missing out on joy because you've been missing part of your purpose. As God created the world and looked at everything, he called the things that he made good, not because they were morally good. The light was not morally good. The light was good in the book of Genesis because it fulfilled its purpose. And so the question that I have for you, are things going good for you? Are you good right now? My question isn't, do things feel good? My question is, are you fulfilling your purpose because you have a purpose to be lived out and you fulfill that purpose when you live in the commandments of God? When you live in the commandments of God, you make a difference. Good things flow from your life into other people's life. You feel the most peace. You feel the most joy. Your countenance, your, your, your cheer, your courage is lifted up. And it comes back to, will I choose to follow what God has said? And so today's, today's message, the landing point, I mean, today's message is about joy, but joy is not just something that's felt. Joy, joy is a choice. Joy is a choice that you will make. And the way that Jesus said it, it comes back to, will I remain in his love? Will I follow his commands? Because if I do those two things, which are both choices, I can start my day filling my mind with God's love. I can choose to follow his commands in my situations. And when I do those two things, what Jesus says is your life will overflow, overflow with joy. And I think that's what you want. But that is found in the life of a person who chooses to walk with Christ. So I hope you make that decision today.